Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. I don't know if you read the book from Good to Great from uh, Jim Collins, right? So he, he has this idea of the hedgehog concept, which says great businesses are at an intersection of what they're passionate about, what they're very, very good at doing and executing, and what the market is willing to pay for it, right? And I apply it to myself. And I, I think it's a good framework to apply to one's career because I think that I always try to identify if I'm passionate about something, and I'm really, really passionate about that, if I'm good at it, or how can I become better at it, and if there is a market for it, so if, if the company or an organization needs it, and it's part of their agenda. And I always try to question myself, am I positioned in the intersection of these three circles so that I can add value? Otherwise, if I don't, you know, my career is over, or will be over in two, three years, or, you know, uh, I won't be relevant in the future. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Strength in the Number show. Now, today I'm talking with Ricardo Cagliano. And what's great about having Ricardo on the show is, is finally I get to share with you the conversations, the type of conversations we've been having over the last couple of years. But also that Ricardo is one of the few finance professionals who's actually qualified to comment on how we in finance can support our organizations and communities during the current COVID-19 pandemic, as he himself was a finance director based out of Mexico City when the swine flu epidemic hit. And that city of 20 million people was put on lockdown by the government. So Ricardo shares with us the learnings he had as a finance director that time uh, and what he and his team did uh, to get through it. Uh, but also, um, you know, Ricardo has an impeccable career. You know, he spent the last 18 years in the pharmaceutical and healthcare industry you know, he's lived and worked across uh, seven different countries in Europe, uh, North and Central America, Asia. He's now based out of the UK. And, you know, we get an insight in this podcast of some of the exceptional skill sets he's developed in finance partnering, um, leading customer intelligence units, uh, his Lean Six Sigma, Black Belt, uh, and the importance of that, uh, being a P2P process owner, a business process outsourcing being CFO and VP finance for China, and also, uh, you know, leading the finance team of a global supply chain. But beyond all that, what, what I'm most interested in talking to Ricardo about was uh, some of our shared passions around developing the right capabilities in finance so we can remain relevant. You know, the, the importance of building optionality, uh, we go through the hedgehog concept and how it can be applied to our careers, and, and also how we can um, carve out time and develop new capabilities. Uh, and, and Ricardo shares an example of how he, he learned how to code Python to bust this myth of learning and show how we can all do this. So look, as you probably can tell, I really enjoyed catching up again with Ricardo and I hope you enjoy it too. And if you would like to check out the detailed show notes, uh, key quotes, uh, resources that Ricardo mentions and much more, you can find that at our website at sitnshow.com. And of course, always appreciate when you recommend the show to your friends and your colleagues or on all the major platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube and Spotify. And uh, really appreciate investing your time with us today. So without further ado, over to Ricardo and the show. 
So, Ricardo, welcome to the show. Hello, Andy. Thanks a lot for the invitation. Really happy to be here. Hey, I'm deli- delighted to be able to bring you on and share you with our audience. And uh, and I've really enjoyed our conversations over, over the last couple of years and um, really appreciated them. Uh, but, you know, our audience may not be as familiar with sort of your story, your journey in accounting finance. Would, so would you mind maybe briefly summarizing that for us, please? Yeah, absolutely. So I I, have, I start from my current job. I currently have a very interesting and unusual job. So I'm a, the head of finance, global finance capabilities and talent here at GSK GlaxoSmithKline, so pharma, pharmaceutical industry. And I currently work across the finance organization to drive the new capability agenda, um, actually drive the different talent programs we have in finance, um, looking at the new capabilities we need to develop and the new ways of working as the function is evolving and transforming. And, uh, and you know, as for me, how did I get there? So uh, as you probably get from the accent, I'm Italian, and I started to, <laughs> to work in uh, the automotive industry. So five years, Fiat, this is my hometown company, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I worked there in corporate, FP&A, and, um, and uh, strategic business planning. And then I, I left, I did uh, my MBA at INSEAD, and I joined the pharmaceutical industry. I've been working 18 years now in the pharmaceutical industry, different finance jobs. Um, I worked, actually, I lived and worked uh, across uh, seven countries in Europe, North America, Central America, and Asia, uh, and now based uh, in the UK. And in terms of experiences, I started from, you know, finance partnering, FP&A, then I moved to lead a customer intelligence unit uh, based in Switzerland for the whole European region. I've been uh, six Sigma Black Belt, the purchase to, pay, uh, purchase to pay process owner. I led the BPO implementation across Europe. Um, then I became finance director of Mexico. Um, then I changed the company and I went to become the vice president of finance for China, Hong Kong, um, the commercial business that I moved them became a head of finance for one large business unit in the United States. And then uh, again, vice president um, manufacturing for the finance, sorry, fi- finance for all the manufacturing sites, global mm-hmm. manufacturing sites, and then uh, now into this job. So I, I, I worked across always finance, different parts of business, um, bit commercial manufacturing process improvement. That's where I am actually. Yeah, I, you know what? There's, uh, I think, I think it's great having you on, Ricardo. I'm delighted you shared that with our audience because there's so many questions we could ask you. So I, I've got to do my best to, to ask the best ones, and you know, there's always an opportunity in for audience to see if they if they wanted to connect, continue the conversation with you as well. But uh, I, you know, you mentioned you you work on farm at the moment. It wouldn't wouldn't be, I suppose, uh, the right thing to do to skip on the big topic at the moment. For those of us living through it, the uh, the the outbreak of COVID nineteen coronavirus. Um, you know, you work in the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, sort of what are your thoughts on, on how we in finance can help support our organizations, our communities, those around us through it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's a very challenging moment and a peculiar moment. I think it's probably uh, your first podcast being uh, uh, recorded during pandemic, right? Yeah, actually, <laughs> that's a good hopefully. point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Uh, so, I look, I, I can share my experience. One, uh, I, I think it's, it's one of my, I think the moment that stands out in my career, uh, I was the finance director of Mexico in 2009, which for people who don't remember was the swine flu 
uh, epidemic that hit Mexico very, very badly. So I was, I lived there uh, and I was head of finance during the lockdown of Mexico City, 20 plus million people. Um, things that you now see in Italy were uh, basically put in place by the Mexican government quite quickly. And uh, we triggered the pandemic plan, which many companies have, they probably don't look at it, BCP and pandemic plan. The first time in my life I, I had to work with the management team to trigger a pandemic plan. And frankly, I think uh, it's all about uh, planning, uh, executing with, uh, you know, thoughtfully, uh, with calm and, and focus. And uh, at the time, I remember where uh, we, we deployed uh, uh, all the resources in IT to make sure that people could work remotely. Um, school were closed, uh, uh, you know, shops, uh, uh, entertainment, uh, as you see in other in other places now in Europe. And then only few people uh, who needed to be in the office uh, came to the office. And it happened that we were in the midst of a big product launch. And um, oh. so we, I, I, I talked to my team and said, look, uh, I need to be here who wants to help me, we really need to drive that. And the uh, lar large majority of the team act actually decided to come and to help. Mm. And uh, I remember we were taking precautionary measures. So we're measuring temperature of people as we're entering the building. We're working with protective masks and, uh, and uh, we launched the product. And, and it, was, uh, uh, it was a fantastic human experience. We were helping each other. He talked about you know, teamwork, dedication, uh, resilience. Uh, it was a very successful launch, very positive. And you know an unforgettable experience in a way, and and from the pandemic epidemic uh, perspective, um, uh, measure the government of Mexico put in place actually managed to stop the evolution of the virus quite quickly. So it was like a few weeks of you know uncertainty, uh, what is happening, lockdown, etc. But that was very effective. So um, the, the learnings for me are you know let, let's follow uh, government guidelines. Let's try to um, not to panic, because uh, I, I think there's there's measures, and then we've been through that epidemic, SARS, and other epidemics, and uh, you know, all stick together, help each other, uh, be mindful of you know precautionary measures, etc. And after that, uh, I, I still remember that somebody took a picture of us standing in front of these uh, uh, billboards for the new product launch, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. With, with protective masks and smiling and cheering etc and then a few months uh, a few months uh, down the road when everything was finished I, I remember I was in the US and I, I met uh, the CFO at the time it's like, ah, Ricardo I saw your picture with your team in Mexico fantastic many people saw it this is great great teamwork etc etc so um, a great learning experience and I will say the, the learning for me is all of these measures are necessary we should follow them we shouldn't panic and uh, you know um, everything will be managed appropriately, but uh, of course, in the midst of it, uh, it's tough. And and then my thoughts and prayer are going for all the healthcare professionals who are doing a fantastic job, for all the people who are affected, who are sick at the moment. And uh, you know, I, I think we should also follow this rule to avoid uh, put extra strain on them because they are the one who are suffering the most. So. Yeah, I think very well put, Ricardo, and I, I echo your sentiments as well. I think we mustn't forget those healthcare workers on the front line providing support to our families and communities as well and, and do our best to support them. And I think, as you said, following the government guidelines 
Uh, and, and you know, there was um, I'm going to paraphrase paraphrase from a very famous statesman. I think you know, you should never waste a good crisis at the time. We're probably in very much reactive mode, but as you said, it does bring out good qualities like resilience, like teamwork. Um, brings our skills to the fore as well in finance around BCP business continuity Absolutely. planning. Risk that management. full visibility we yeah. have, risk management, you know, so it's times to sometimes take a deep breath and just realize we, we've been trained to, to deal with these things and uh, really appreciate you sharing your experiences with us as well. Um, and also the funny bit about the picture as well. I think that's uh, you <laughs> still know. heavy somewhere. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you probably still have it somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so let's look at, you know, moving from sort of the now back, back in time, you've done a tremendous range of roles. And, um, you know, like you've got many different experiences in finance. I suppose what sort of maybe uh, maybe stand out to you? Obviously, the swine flu uh, one must be quite memorable. Any other sort of memories or memorable experience you had in finance that you particularly enjoyed and, and, and uh, recall? Yeah, I, I think so. Many of them. And I, I fondly remember all the teams I managed uh, throughout my career because for me, people are really the core of what I believe in to what I do and the core of a great finance team, right? But, but I think in terms of uh, aha moment, there, there, was, there was a moment uh, that taught me how, you know, building your skill set for the future is more important than the immediate appeal of the next job. Yeah. And uh, uh, that moment came actually when I, uh, after my, you know, customer intelligence job, process improvement, uh, finance partner, etc. I was uh, waiting to land the coveted uh, finance director role for small market, which is like <laughs> the big stepping stone of, of any finance career. And yeah, at yeah. the time, uh, I was offered actually the regional, regional process owner for purchase to pay Europe. And uh, we're talking like I think 15 years ago, right? So it was the beginning of uh, um, streamlining processes, ACP implementation with standard processes. It was not considered as fancy or as interesting mm -hmm. as the finance director job of smaller market. And uh, I, I, I was like debating with myself and say, okay, um, should I accept that or should I wait longer to get the opportunity? And then I remember the, the, my manager at the time, Senor Ricardo, uh, you know, process improvement, uh, process standardization, rationalization is going to become more and more important. Think it through, of course, and, and make your choice. And uh, I said, you know what? I, I think this job will, will teach me skills that I haven't learned in other jobs, will uh, uh, actually expand my, my skill set, and uh, I'm willing to do it. And actually, there was a big agenda on process standardization, cost per transaction reduction, putting in place web invoicing. Um, I, I was also managing a virtual team, which at the time was a little mm, bit yeah. uh, new. And, uh, uh, and and again, not really sexy because <laughs> I was having these people reporting to the finance director of the markets, dotted line to me to drive a standardization. So also in terms of matrix environment and how to manage it was yes. pretty challenging. Uh, and, and I took it and I say, I think it's great. So new skill set. Uh, interesting and and it turned out to be a great choice first of all because i learned a huge amount of thing and then because the company uh, my previous company at the time a year later decided to go for business process outsourcing globally and then guess what mm -hmm. the largest process they wanted to outsource was purchase to pay and uh, uh, i already had a team i had the expertise so the company uh, told me you're gonna do it for europe so you're responsible for a project for the whole europe 
and that it was a huge project, really great learning experience. I already had a very good relationship with my team, which became central to the implementation of that. So it turned out to be a fantastic choice. So uh, it really taught me that, uh, you know, your immediate next job, uh, at least for me, shouldn't be your immediate concern. I think is what you're building for yeah. the long term in terms of skills and capabilities, what is helping your career advance. Yeah, I, I agree. Thank, thanks for sharing that great, great, great advice, Ricardo. Like, I just feel that um, I suppose it's so easy in our work to get uh, sucked into the now the reactive nature of what what we do. You know, responding to requests for information that we sometimes forget to maybe think a bit ahead from our own careers and sort of think, okay, what's the right strategic path to take uh, to, to the next step and the one beyond and. Those skills you were sort of mentioning that you sort of pick up as being in the team, the matrix relationships, virtual, um, you know, getting probably ahead of the curve around the, the, the business process, outsourcing yep. and uh, reducing transaction costs. Those things we sort of take for granted now. But but that must have been a big uh, shift for you outside of your comfort zone. I mean, how did you get your head around that and and take on that challenge and and, and be successful at it and get offered the next the next role? I mean, how did you manage pushing yourself outside your comfort zone? So look, uh, there's something is related to my personality. I love challenges. I, I thrive uh, learning new things, and I thrive being out of my comfort zone. So that's what I love. And I also uh, really always enjoyed um, managing teams and cross-cultural teams uh, across different culture and people. I really love it, uh, and that helped me. Uh, because it was a sizable part of the job. Then I needed to learn and to get into uh, more depth on all the you know, processes, uh, controls around that, uh, the accounting side of it, the, techno the technology side of it, which was a yeah. big one. And uh, I, I started, I, I'm a, this is one of, I love learning. So I started to talk to people, sit down and watch what they were doing, asking for information. And I learned at the same time. Um, and it was a it was a successful experience, and also also I built on my previous experience, which was the Six yeah. Sigma black belt job, and that was another choice I made because at the time, uh, after my customer intelligence job, I had the opportunity to go to change my career and go into like sales marketing uh, uh, route that some people in finance <laughs> take, and, and I was offered a big job, a bigger job, with a promotion. And uh, and uh, I decided to go for process improvement in uh, in uh, in Six Sigma. And, and at the time, again, the company was just launching it. Uh, it was like, uh, and again, it was like 16, 17 years ago, launching it as a Lean Sigma program. Uh, it wasn't unclear how impactful uh, impactful it would have been. Um, it was a little bit uncertain. I said, look, uh, I think I think I, I like finance. And uh, I like to understand how things work and they can be uh, made better. And I think it's a great opportunity. Let's go and do it. And that that skill set translated very well into the process owner job. And yeah, yeah. that that the process owner job skill set translated very well in the in the BPO job. So that that's yeah, yeah. that that that's yeah. how I you know uh, I happen to make my career choice and turn down to be coherent probably. Exposed. <laughs> yeah, exposed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Because I always it's look like, for skills, for skills and capabilities that make you valuable for the future. And my 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 deep belief is that if you build optionality, 
you will be better off in the future, even if you don't know your job, because your next job in five years might be completely, might not even exist now. Well, that's, so, that's it. It was, was it the Institute of the Future was saying, what, 85% of the jobs in five years' time haven't even been created yet. Absolutely. So, like, if you, if you do what you said there, is you have, you know, develop skills that have optionality. And importantly as well, while, whilst we're sort of young and figuring this out, is, is also uh, finding out what, um, what things you enjoy doing, you know, and getting a feel for, you know, what, what you can do best at. And, uh, and understanding that because um, I, I just can't help but feel that given given where we are in our teams and whatever, we can sort of help direct what those jobs might look like because they're the ones that will drive additional value for our businesses. So whether whether the phase is, is business process outsourcing at one stage or it's working more closely with sales from a partnering perspective or it's some visualization introduction or something, there's, there's loads of these opportunities, Ricardo. And, and it's, as you said, the skills, the capabilities and I just want to sort of go deeper into that with you because of your sort of current, um, how do you say, interest and in, in capabilities. I mean, for the modern finance professional, if we're to have meaningful, successful, rewarding careers in finance and, and deliver value for the business and those around us, I mean, what sort of those optionalities or, or capabilities should we be looking to develop? Yeah, so I, I think I, I will start... Um... I will start a step earlier, if you don't mind. And um, I think that there's a concept that uh, uh, stuck with me for a long, long, long time that I try to apply to my daily job. And mm. uh, it, it is, uh, it, it, I don't know if you read the book From Good to Great from uh, oh, yes. Jim Collins, yes. right? So he, he has this idea of the hedgehog concept, which says great <laughs> businesses are at an intersection of what they're passionate about, what they're very, very good at doing and executing, and what the market is willing to pay for it, right? And I apply it to myself. And I, I think it's a good framework to apply to one's career because mm-hmm. I think that I always try to identify if I'm passionate about something and I'm really, really passionate about that, if I'm good at it or how can I become better at it? And if there is a market for it, so if, if the company or an organization needs it and it's part of their agenda. And I always try to question myself, am I positioned in the intersection of these three circles so that I can add value. Otherwise, right. if I don't, you know, my career is over or will be over in two, three years or, you know, uh, I won't be relevant in the future. So that's that's one thing. And, and thinking about that, I think that now there is a, a big, so, so the two things that excites me a lot about, you know, the evolution of finance. And I think uh, mm. the two areas that many people should start to look at are, you know, the massive impact that digital data yes. analytics is going to have on our function, right? Yeah. And you can take it two ways. One is uh, uh, it's a threat. Uh, my expertise is going to be replaced. My machine is going to wait or, or an opportunity, right? And yeah. I always look at the opportunity because I do see a, a big opportunity because if you have uh, automation and digital and data taking away the basic reporting side, uh, taking away the transactional side, and bringing you data sets and tools that you can use to generate insight, this is where really you can add value. Uh, The generation of insight and translation into action for the business is something that I think machine cannot reproduce, at least for the moment. So for me, it would be shifting from uh, uh, doing uh, uh, reports and analysis in Excel into how do I generate analytics and insights that are uh, relevant for the business and how do I communicate them effectively? 
mm-hmm. that that would be for me the biggest area to focus on and then that can translate into building your capabilities uh, in areas like understanding data understanding you know bi tools uh, understanding uh, um, you know how you use uh, analytics to generate insights maybe a little bit of stats a bit of uh, with other techniques, uh, if you're really um, in, into that and crazy like myself, I started eight months ago to 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 take Python classes, coding classes <laughs> on my on my own time, my own budget, right? Yes. And, and because I want to see how things develop and and I want to experience it myself. And I saw the huge power of um, manipulating data sets in a very quick and efficient way and how oh, that so. can be used to generate new things and then and then i moved and i started to use power bi and myself develop report on power bi then i realized that you need to have a good database so i started to learn sql <laughs> and then i created my sql and, and I, now i'm using it in my current job it's on on capabilities because for me it's a way of learning and I, and I see the huge potential of it. I, I'm not suggesting that everybody should, should go this, yeah. this crazy path, etc. But uh, what, what I'm suggesting is uh, the tech organization provides the platform, the, uh, how can I say, the rules, the access, and the security to a world. They're not providing you with insights, with uh, anything else. So it, it's your job as a finance professional to go and get them. And there's no better way to do it yourself and to experiment and to to see how what you can do with that and then uh, i think i think that then you will move ahead of a curve compared to other people yeah no i i, I agree with you first first off python is useful particularly if, if you do what like um, I, I, I did a project with my son on this where we we um, used it to make a, a retro arcade machine using python absolutely absolutely so uh, yeah. so so that that's the fun side of it but the serious work side of it is that it can actually be rather rather useful in this day and age um that experimentation uh, figuring out what works you mentioned and in fact uh, the databases sql uh, power bi great great tools but the thing is ricardo like you know you're in a senior finance position right and you're finding the time to do this i mean i think a lot of our audience listening think where am i going to get the time to develop all of these skills and is it a case of well, if if you if you don't do it, you're relevant. So like you know, there's a huge cost to not doing it, or is it a case of well, actually, it is something we should be able to accommodate now. I mean, do you have sort of any advice of, of how to carve out time to go and go and go and do this sort of stuff? Yeah, so it's a, it's a very good point, and it's a it's a point that uh, comes up many times in my conversation with people. I'm too busy. I don't have enough time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I, I'd like to propose my own interpretation of that. This is my my interpretation. I think that we leave uh, actually uh, a lot of opportunities aside because we we f- we have a myth about learning. This myth is that you need to invest, you close, uh, uh, lock yourself up in a room for three months, just to <laughs> study books, and then you come up with no things, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So this is not how I experience learning, and, and this is not my practice. So people might take it or leave it. Everybody has uh, their different path. For me, um, learning is a continuous activity that I do yeah. every day, almost like, you know, like... Uh, jogging and going to the gym, etc. So what I do actually, and, and this is how I, I learn Python. It's, it's not uh, a, a, a three months uh, lock yourself up exercise, <laughs> but it's, 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 basically, it's basically, so there's, there's another big enabler for that is that we do have access to micro-sized 
learnings, mm -hmm. short videos, short. Uh, so all the learnings you now have online, you can have it on your mobile, are uh, actually thought to be used into five minute batches, et cetera, et cetera. So what I do every day, uh, I watch a couple of, I started to watch a couple of videos on a train coming to the office or in my spare moment, five, five minutes or 10 minutes on a topic. And then once in the morning, once in the evening, 20 minutes per day, right? It doesn't look like you know, massive investment of your time. So if you do 20 minutes per day, you do it, let's say six days a week. Because for me, I, I enjoy it. Like it's like two hours per week. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then it's like more than eight, it's more than two hours per week, more than eight hours per month. So you do it over and over and you learn, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, when you start to reach a certain level, then you put it in practice. That's why I started to use, start to manipulate different data sets we needed to do, uh, to use for our, you know, capabilities project using, using Python, because I wanted to put it in practice. And then I will keep learning and doing things uh, in parallel. And this is how we learn. So this is how I learned foreign languages in the past. This is how I normally learn. And I feel that if you see learning as an essential and day-to-day -day activity, almost like a health check activity, you just just part of who you are and how you work. So that, that's my perspective, at least. That's not, I think that's great, great advice for audience. I think we can all find five minutes or 10 minutes here and there if we're deliberate about it. Yep. And over the course of weeks and months, that adds up. And then even better, what you suggested there, is that applied practical learning. So have a business um, context or objective you're looking to help solve and apply what you're learning to it uh, and learn from that. And then you're taking that learning. And you're, you're, it's not as if you're taking your time away from your job. You know, you're actually applying it back to the business. So it's that win-win you, you sort of you, you've identified and found for Ricardo. I think that's that's really awesome advice. Um, I, I, I suppose, uh, you know, if I was to sort of to, to ask you in turn, then Ricardo, from an advice perspective, I mean, what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? Look, Andy, uh, there's something that stuck with me and then it's related to what I've been mentioning uh, just right now. So I remember I, my first boss uh, uh, was a Frenchman, uh, very smart. So I, I remember that after a few days, I was in the company, it was a very senior person, I was new, out of university, etc. And he told me, you know, Ricardo, never stop learning and being curious. When you feel that you're not learning anymore, it's time to change your job and look for another opportunity. And uh, that's been uh, probably the best advice I ever had because uh, changing job or looking for an opportunity might be two different things. Like you might want to expand your current job. You might want to add additional things. I'm not just suggesting that, you know, people should change job every year, <laughs> yeah. but, but find the opportunity to expand it yeah. so that you can learn new things and you can be current, fresh and relevant. And I always try to uh, apply to what I'm doing, knowing that for some jobs you need experience, you need uh, you know, need a certain tenure in the job to really make an impact, but always look for new things you can learn and uh, keep that enthusiasm alive because that drives your passion. At least for me, that's the case. Yeah, I, th I think it's great advice. It's one, it's one thing sort of being curious, but it's also that, that having that enthusiasm and energy to build momentum as well. So, so, so fantastic advice there, Ricardo. And, you know, you mentioned good to great earlier. Would you have any other recommended resources our listeners could go check out? Yeah, so there's a there's a, there's a couple of books. Uh, one one is a bit old, but that uh, 
that I think are interesting. One, one actually uh, uh, was kind of instrumental for me to jump from my Mexico job into the China job, change company, etc., which was another weird move in a way. Uh, and it was, you probably, know, you probably remember that the world is flat from you know, Thomas Friedman. <laughs> There was like, mm -hmm. I, I was, I, I remember I was in Mexico, I was reading this book, I was talking about, yeah. you know, globalization, ways of working, becoming, you know, uh, being disrupted, the emergence of Asia, the emergence of China and everything, et cetera, et cetera. And I was fascinated about that. And I said, I need to go there and experience that and, and, and do this. So, so for me, it was a great book. I think probably it's less relevant because we're already seeing what's happening, yeah, but yeah. that there was historic, historically an, an interesting <laughs> book. So there, there's a book, I think it's a fascinating, so if, I, I, I love reading, but there's a book that I think is fascinating for people in finance uh, or accountants uh, specifically, who wants to see the impact of data and analytics on their job. There's this uh, uh, book, they also made the movie Moneyball from Michael Lewis. Oh, so Michael Lewis is yeah, a great writer, I, I love it. So for oh, finance people, writer. it should be yeah. the writer, right? So, so yeah. yeah, probably people who watch the movie with Brad Pitt and, and, and it's, a, it's a great movie, <laughs> but it's fantastic because it tells you how uh, statistics, which is, which is uh, the backbone of machine learning, actually, statistic and data started to change the world of sports. And uh, uh, the, the story is a true story of the Oakland baseball team who hired a statistician that started to use data to basically, uh, you know, fetch the best players at the lowest cost with the best statistic, et cetera, and actually, uh, you know, have a, a very, very uh, successful season because of that, without budget and with challenges, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it shows you the transformational power of data if you use it very well and the impact can have on a business. Now, if you look at sports, now data and analytics have impacted a lot of, you know, uh, how people train, uh, how performance is measured, et cetera. So I think it's a good reminder for, you know, people in finance of what can happen and also the opportunities you can, you can get from that. Oh God. Yeah. That, that, that great, great recommendations, Ricardo. So, um, we'll add those to the show notes as well. And also, you know, if our audience wish to continue the conversation, um, where's the best place to connect with you at? I think, uh, you know, um, LinkedIn is great. So contact me, send me a message. Uh, over there and absolutely you know i i happy to have conversation be in contact that would be great yeah, that, that, that's awesome so so ricardo thank you for that and um look i suppose just, just as summarizing i mean thank you for for sort of painting a picture and taking us through it and what sounds to be an amazing career but loads of uh, fantastic experiences and also breaking down some of the advice particularly around the current situation we're having with the uh, the flu pandemic worldwide and, and giving some, some reassurance there but but also the sort of capabilities and particularly around digital finance that we're going to have to be more aware of and, and keeping that curiosity around learning. But before we sort of wrap up, uh, would you have maybe any other parting thoughts for our audience? So I think, I think um, what I would say is we're living in a, in a period of big transformation uh, in general, but in, in finance in particular. So my advice would be, be curious and uh, uh, be open-minded and uh, throw yourself into it. See, experiment, uh, experiment, see the opportunities, fail and learn from your mistakes and embrace the opportunity. There's, there's two ways you can go, right? You can resist and uh, uh, might become irrelevant in five, 10 years from now, or you can, uh, 
look at the opportunities and even create your new job that doesn't exist now. I think it's you know it's up uh, it's up to to you it's up to all of us to to get into that with the right mindset and every so somebody was mentioning uh, in in an article I was reading so think about Excel right Excel was a revolutionary tool that basically threatened the existence of people who were doing uh, you know uh, manual plotting uh, uh, manual t accounts uh, calculation etc cetera, etc cetera. It, it was it was a revolutionary it was a it, it was the same probably not the same impact but a scale of, of of change was massive right but it generated you know more data more analysis new jobs more opportunities etc so i think that we're probably on the cusp of something similar if not bigger and again uh, I, I think it's important to look out for what are the, the skills and the, the opportunity in the space and start to uh, invest in that, start to play with it, start to work in that space, start to you know volunteer for projects and, and see what happens there. So nobody has, I mean, in my experience and reading and talking to people, nobody has a, a crystal ball to predict uh, which job will be available in five years, right? <laughs> really. Yeah. But 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 it also means that the future is not set, so that that you yeah, can create yeah. and chart your path, and, which I think is great. And, and because it's not set, the time is now. This is the time to Absolutely. be doing that experiment. Absolutely. You're completely right. So 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 Ricardo, look, it's a, it's a pleasure to finally be able to share one of our conversations uh, with our audience. So thank you for coming on the show today, being an awesome guest mentor for us. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, and thanks for uh, for inviting here, inviting me here, and then to all the audience, fantastic audience you have. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. And when all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.